0: Welcome, everyone. And today, uh, on my episode with Monty Meets, it's a recap with someone who has been already on Monty Meets in India and now in Oman. And we're beginning to develop a good friendship. And one of the reasons being is because I'm not good at fielding and he can coach me a lot. There's plenty to coach, and I am, I'm receiving so much information from him. And I'm in Oman right now at the W. Muscat Hotel with John T.
1: Rhodes. Hello, Monty nonsense man, I'm not doing anything. The reason why we're spending so much time together is that you are a willing young man who's very happy to to contribute to people, you know, growing in the area. So thank you for coming down to the, the amount practices with the team. I mean on, on two occasions um, they've really lapped it up. So that's why we're spending so much time. We, we're we not really dedicated golfers, are we? Um, but we also don't like to hang around the hotel. So it's been really good to... So thanks for joining me because, you know, having spent a lot of time in a year in Sweden now, I do appreciate um, when you're an associate member country, any little bit helps. And, and it's not just been a little bit. It's been a, been a massive effort. So thank you, Monty. It's been great spending time with you.
0: Ah, great. So what life is like in Sweden? I'm sure the sunset just rises above the trees. Here we're seeing beautiful skies. How, how, how can you adapt? How do you adapt to that? Well, it was quite interesting because that
1: first day that you and I came to practice and nobody else turned up, we uh, the Omani players were saying oh this is fantastic it's winter when I was said I'm struggling for breath when you were chasing me up and down the field with those shuttle runs and uh, I said man guys winter I've just come from minus seven your winter might be you know 21 you might think it's wonderful for me it's really hot because there's a a 30 degree swing in in, in temperature so it's it's been I've really enjoyed Sweden Uh, you know I think from a family point of view um, it's been it's taken a while to settle in. Language is obviously it's, it's a barrier, and and there's a there's a particular system, and a way of doing things in Sweden. And unless you understand that that system, you kind of learn about it the hard way because, um, you know, you bumble along and you you come across these obstacles, and, and there's no there's no jumping over them. You have to work your way through them. But other than that, we we've had a fantastic year, and I think we I think the way we did that was we, we actually. We adopted the, or adapted to the fact that embraced the fact that the sun is not going to shine for for three or four months of the year. So take your vitamin D tablets and supplements, and get your winter gear on. Go snowboarding when you can. Go ice skating on the lake when you can, because if you're hiding from the cold, and if you you know you, if it does get dark by three thirty in the afternoon, it's in, in midwinter. It's already it's already dark. Everyone's inside, um, but the Swedes then get out again. You know, as soon as there's some snow, they get out, and the kids are pulling each other down the banks on sleds and it's a lot of fun in, in the community. So I think if you embrace it and not hide from the winter, it's actually very enjoyable.
0: Yeah, so what are the challenges of being, you know, the head coach at Sweden? They obviously don't have their own facilities yet. And, uh, um, you know, I'm sure they must be um, quite difficult for you to like, you know, really get the get the cricket through the pathways and, and get the rankings. More importantly, let's let's get Sweden up the rankings.
1: I think the, the biggest obstacle right now, and, and you know, we spent, we went on a tour to, to Denmark, we took a train down to Denmark, we flew, we were very smart, and we flew Olani, we flew into Finland for a, a weekend of doubleheaders on the Saturday and doubleheaders on the Sunday and flew back Sunday, no, oh no early Monday morning because um, the guys obviously had to go back to work and, and so, so the the constraints and limitations that I have are very similar to many of the countries in the region in the Scandic and, and even the European regions where you have many sort of immigrant communities who are working in the respective countries but what we don't have in Sweden which is a little bit frustrating and, and most of the other coaches and teams have is an indoor winter facility you know even if it's just two lanes of indoor if the national team wants to get together so we're competing as a as a national team with you know under 11 basketball who kids who want to play basketball or handball because we we don't have a cricket specific indoor facility it's we we utilize other indoor halls that are used for gymnastics, that are used for handball and basketball in a bandy. There's so many winter sports that are indoor in Sweden that we can't get a place to practice. So and and in Sweden they're interesting in in, in the society where youth and ladies have preference when it comes to, to booking off the time of the indoor hall. So if you're the national team but you're a bunch of men, you are third or fourth in, in place and uh, we don't often get access to, to practice facilities in the winter. So and, and you know what cricket is like, Monty, it's a game of habit. And if you put those habits away for four or five months, it takes a long time to get back in and when you get going again, you're never really growing your game because you are not constantly working on various aspects.
0: Yeah, like um obviously, you know, in, in England it's one of the issues we've had is why aren't there you know, why, why is not cricket more inclusive or, or diverse with the recent obviously issues. Um is it an is it expensive sport to get into? Like, you know, some families play up to like 500 to a thousand pounds a year just to get them, um, you know, some coaching and some and to play some cricket.
1: Well, in Sweden, we, we don't have that sort of issue. I mean, we, from a, from a cost point of view, there aren't academies to join. So, you know, there's nowhere that, that you say, okay, so if you want your, your son or daughter to get better and excel at cricket, you want to send them at early doors to, to an academy, we don't have that. There's no county system or state. to or regional system that you have to um, sign up for, so cost isn't cost isn't always the barrier to entry. Getting the right equipment, if you're a half decent cricketer, trying to get bats that are you know that are good and uh, from in in Europe uh, through the market, you know obviously pads and softs are, are fairly easy, um, but no cost is not usually the prohibiting factor. It's just availability because even in the summer when we go outdoors, there are only four cricket grounds in Stockholm itself, but you've got 36 clubs that are vying for those facilities on a weekend so you got to you know put in which is why we can only have t20 games at this stage which you can have two two t20 matches on a saturday and two on a sunday um, as opposed to longer format 40 overs or even 50 overs so cost isn't the prohibiting factor it's more about the lack of actual facilities
0: um yeah um that's that's obviously one issue you know uh some countries have uh, facilities as an issue in England. I think cost of kit and travel is really expensive for for some other families um but also it would be interesting to know you obviously lived in South Africa i think lived the, the time during apartheid um What were your views on the things that happened in Yorkshire over the last sort of few months
1: well i don't I don't understand. Well, I mean, obviously I've followed a bit on, on social media, so I don't know the ins and the outs. But I think with regards to um, you know, racism in sport and sport and whichever country, I mean, we obviously in South Africa have a, a very strong history of that. And fairly recently, you know, it's only, we only a democracy since 1994. So it's not a long time ago and it's only sort of one or two generations that we've, you know, we've put aside that legislation. Um, but you haven't been able to. We haven't been able to eradicate the poverty and, and all the associated um, sort of evils, if you would say, of apartheid. Because that legacy is still there. There's still lack of education in many quarters. There's lack of sporting facilities. If we're talking about sport, there's lack of equal opportunity. And also, you know, no matter how much we want to say we are a free and fair society, I think there's still there's still lingering aspects of racism, even if it's subconsciously. Um, that we all you know have been a part of and a bit like cricket, which is a game of habit, so is life you know and until you sort of embra- not just embrace i mean you, you can 't just embrace the good, you also have to sometimes embrace the dark in in yourself and acknowledge it you can 't just hide it away and pretend it 's not there so i think from from that point of view what what sort of i 've seen in South Africa since democracy is that there's still real work to be done i mean I grew up in in white privilege in South Africa as a part of that and We spoke about it in the the last podcast about, you know, having only have to compete with the white kids and the white players in South Africa for the first part in the majority of my career, let's face it. So I think from from that point of view, what's happening in the UK, um, I think it's relevant and and prevalent, sadly, in in many aspects of society and in many sports that are still taking place in Europe and, and around the world, and not just in places like South Africa, where we had legitimized and legalized racism. I mean, it wasn't legitimate it was legalized by the white minority government and obviously condemned and rightly so by the rest of the world but it's i think it's still it simmers below the surface because in a politically correct society we don't actually talk about it enough because it's almost then acknowledging oh if it's there that makes me a racist but as i said you need to embrace the dark if you're going to overcome it if you just hide it away or pretend it's not there um that's no way to to you know get get that out of the way or, or, or get past that and, and work through that. So, yeah, I think there's still a lot of work for everybody to be done, to get done. But it, it almost, you know, we can't deny. I think that's a big thing. We can't deny it doesn't happen. It's not us. We're doing this, and we're doing that. I think, sadly, it's a part of, you know, inherently what inherently what have we we've kind of been, me as a South African, have grown up with. So as much as I say I'm not a racist, there'll be elements of, of my thought process that, without me even going there, um, is has been shaped by my white upbringing in south africa
0: do you think cr- cricket has a problem with diversity you're you're an international coach you've seen players from all backgrounds um what's your view well i think diversity can also you know, it's not
1: just it's not just on along race and color it's also on gender i mean i, I think there's not enough slowly but surely the ICC have certainly made a huge focus on the growth of women's cricket and and we've seen how that's grown in leaps and bounds and, and, you, and you think well why hasn't it been done before you know if we had made these changes 20 years ago where would the women's game be now and and in such then from a you know a, a, the diversity when it comes to race and culture if we had tackled this 30 years ago where would we be now so I think it's the fact that conversation it needs to be ugly for us to be able to get beyond it but it needs to be truthful and I think as a cricket player I always learned that is that you know you have to we talk about truth and honesty in the team environment and but you need to be honest with yourself first and foremost you know if take things in perspective when I was dropped from the team I was upset I had tears I cried um, when I sat on the the pavement outside Kingsmead my home ground where I've been told I wouldn't be needed for the test match Um, but then on reflection, I was honest with myself, averaging 26 as a middle-order batter wasn't enough. So I had to change my game, and it took two years to get back in the test side. But, you know, I could have been all upset and gone, oh, you know, selection, Why as I left out, I knew I wasn't good enough. So when you're faced with that reality and you can accept that there's something you need to fix, you've got to face it first and accept it. So I think this diversity, or the reason why we're here is that we haven't really accepted it. We've sort of brushed it away and thought, if we don't talk about it or think about it, it means it's okay.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think now what we're doing is talking about it, and it's it's a difficult subject to talk about because it's so complex and so deep. You know, it brings out different emotions from different people, and it is a such a difficult topic. Um, what would what would what would advice would you give to the ECB, or um, what areas you think you know possibly need changing to make actually cricket more diverse, but also um to take away the certain you know to bring bring about certain conversations that like you said we need to
1: talk well conversation is all about communication and i think that is the biggest problem and it's the easiest way to put your hands up and say no but we're not doing this or we're not doing that if you're not communicating your plan your strategies what you are doing it's easy for people to make assumptions and you know kind of point fingers so i think as with most relationships or business and organizations in life the more that you communicate it the more that you make available for public consumption the more people then start making up their own mind firstly and not be impressioned by what they hear from other people and i think that is important i mean the dialogue that we have needs to be really public and, and you need to be able to kind of expose what's what has happened what's transpired if if you if you try to brush things under the carpet you know bring it out and just say you know we've, maybe the process we've got wrong occasionally but from this day forward and you have to back it up because talk is very cheap but the more we talk and the more we talk to each other, the more open we are around this conversation. It's not going to change overnight, Monty, sadly. I mean, I think it's going to be, it's going to be here with us for a while still. And if we're not talking about it, we're not moving in the right direction.
0: Yeah. Cause in England, the problem we have at the moment, I play Saturday at Twickenham Cricket Club and, uh, we have 30 to 40% of British Asians playing in a club cricket, but only three to 4% come through the system as professional cricketers. Um, do you believe, that the, one of the reasons is because they rather go the education direction and that's why we don't see enough professionals coming through. Well it's
1: interesting because I'm going to be really racist and generalized and in, in, in that you know when I work in India and I don't much, and I don't know a great deal about the Asian community other than some fantastic meals that I've had in Birmingham and, and places like that when when Bob Woolmer was our coach and some of the, the incredible Indian cuisine that, that we that we ate um, but you know when I work in India you you kind of see things where people get involved in the, in the family business you know and, and education yes is a big part of of what is um, what is a driving force in, in a child's existence so so it'd be very again generalizing is actually racism for sure because it's you know you, you have a prejudice because of you think this is a way and and I've seen that in India I mean I've, I've seen how Parents are focused on education. I've seen that. I have seen how parents are groom groom their children to come into the family business and, you know, get involved and take over. So it's it's a case of again, I don't understand the UK scenario enough, but I must confess, if I have to be honest, that that I have a fairly prejudiced view of of the Asian communities because of what I mean IPL is fantastic. It turns out talented, incredibly talented youngsters all the time. So if you're you know, if you're an Asian cricketer, you, you certainly have, you've got ability. It's not like you've got to convert these people into good cricket players. Um, but if I was realistic and honest, I'd say, yeah, I think there is a focus at times. And sometimes there's pressure from the parents to continue your studies, you know, get a good job and a doctor engineer um, or get ready to come into the family business. So that's a part of my experience and, and possibly shaped from a you know kind of, again, an apartheid era, South Africa where certain people are designated certain characteristics but you know i don't i don't know enough about what's happening in the uk with regards to the community there
0: no thank you no thank you for your honest answer there and yeah sometimes education is important because you know you need to provide income for the family so yeah it's it's a, it's a interesting uh, subject. Um what about the pandemic you know what um what lessons do you think we we can learn from what's happened with this new virus? Well the new virus just
1: keeps getting becoming a new virus you know it just mut- mutates and mutates and and it's, and it's hopefully heading where everyone was not expecting it but hoping it would get to eventually where it became a, a flu like the spanish flu or, or something like that where we've dealt with the most severe version of it and 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 it has caused untold you know death and destruction in its path but hopefully through vaccination through herd immunity whatever it is now and and just the mutation of the virus we are beyond that but i think from a you know obviously it's impacted all of us and especially us in a sporting environment where you know all all activities stop stadiums and and contests and competition i mean even in sweden where cricket is such a minor thing they you know, unless you were younger than 15, you couldn't play any sport. So parents had to drop their kids off at, at sort of practices. And, but as, a, as a, an adult, you couldn't participate in any league or any competition. So, you know, we've all been impacted in many ways. But I think sort of the biggest lesson for me, having spent time in lockdown with family, um, and then, you know, just the importance of your community, because cricket, I've always been blessed with a, a team, I've always had a team around me. You know whether I was 12th man or playing and and winning games or dropping catches, I always had a team that I could rely on. And then I would go home to a family that was another team. And and I think you know when when you kind of step away from the game like I have on a few occasions, I'm, I'm back in obviously IPL um, and yeah, playing you know amongst a team of of uh, fantastic characters again. It's just the importance of community. You sometimes forget when you you know kind of walked away from a team environment. Um, I think that's the one massive lesson that. The pandemic has reminded me of is that how important communities are and how important I am to my community.
0: Yeah, because T Rhodes is a big name, isn't it? It's like everyone knows you by your fielding, but also the energy that you give, even at the age of, well,
1: fifty-two. You can say it. <laughs> I don't want to say
0: fifty-two because <laughs> when we did the run shuttles, he was fitter than me, and I'm thirty-nine. So, I, I'm happily I would admit that. Like that—that—that's you know you're you're just an, a giver of energy to teams like. You must be looking forward to your new role as an IPL assistant coach.
1: Yeah. And, and I think that's, I mean, that's the beauty of cricket. And it was actually something that I discovered working for Standard Bank when I first retired from the game. I mean, I had a Bachelor of Commerce degree. I trained as a business banker and I had, I joined a, a workforce that had people who had been in the bank for, I was 34 at the time. For as long as I'd been alive, they'd been working for the bank, but, but their role within the bank kept evolving. And, uh, and and that's been fantastic for me, is that even though cricket I'm a middle order batter who can field it, but the role that I've had in the game, you know, while I played and, and since retirement has always evolved and it makes it so exciting. Yeah, I have energy, I love what I do and, and I think that's been such a incredible blessing. Um, because even people ask me, How on earth do you go work in a bank after playing cricket for your country? I learned something every day. It was damn exciting. You know, it's it's cool when you if you can be ignorant all your life or every day is a day in the classroom and, and you grow so much and, and, and I think that's been the best thing for me traveling to, to places often like India as often as I have it's just the diversity that you experience the opportunity to grow and learn from other people I mean the more you learn about others the more you learn about yourself so I'm on a constant growth path and and every time an opportunity comes I grab it with both hands A bit selfish my wife does an amazing job um, you're know, looking after children in a, in a new environment where there's not much family obviously in Sweden and, and a very limited community available to her and and she she you know not just allows me, she encourages me to to go and hopefully you know that that sort of the, the person I'm becoming will be of benefit to my little community back at home when I get back so it's it's an exciting phase to be in um, I still have so much to learn I think and you know every time you get an opportunity to to go and do something different, take it with both hands.
0: great, because we both, you know, we did coaching together and it's so good to hear from someone like, you know, you're obviously 10 years older than me, um, but obviously fitter than me, but you're still learning in that phase, which is a reminder for us, you know, like be the student of life, which is the best place, best headspace, you know, to be. Um, So I'm sure, you know, you, you, you can share some fun or some interesting stories that the media don't know about when you've been at the IPL.
1: Uh, no, not really, Monty. I think what goes on at the IPL stage at the IPL, and especially if it's going to go into media. I have a few friends who won't be friends afterwards. But, uh, you know, I, I just think it's it's always such an interesting uh, transition into franchise cricket. You have owners involved. So, you know, it's always different pressures as a player and then as a coach as well where you, you know, you're kind of answering to, to all different parts. And it's not just about cricket. It's also about the marketability because you have a franchise and, you know, you need to grow the popularity of that team. Not just through winning games but by having the characters in the side and, and making sure those characters are playing and, and being successful. So it always just brings in a slightly different element and a different take on on what, what determines success in cricket. Yes, winning the trophy, that's what we're all aiming for but you know often there's other kind of factors at play that you need to now start taking in consideration and as a cricket player you're not even thinking of that, you're not thinking about what is the marketability of the team, you're just thinking about let me score the runs or take the wickets or take the catches. So it's great from that, again, I'm growing, you learn, you know, you realize that it's not all just this, you have to be, you know, you have a bit more peripheral vision and you got to see things coming that you, you wouldn't have even expected in the first place.
0: Yeah, exactly. And you know, you got to be agile in the mind. you got to be agile in presence and, and have that spatial intelligence, you know, that, that comes with time. And uh, I think you definitely have that in abundance and you're very humble about it. Um, so what does, what you know, future for you next five years, You've done so many years of, uh, you know, coaching. I'm sure. Are you planning? Is is this the phase when I get into my 50s? There'll be a third chapter. I need to start planning for.
1: Well, it's been interesting. I mean, I've I've turned down a few roles, and not at IPL, but at other competitions where, um, you know, I've been offered a head head coaching job, or would I be interested? And you know, I've I've really enjoyed the the fielding coaching because I'm very active while I'm so I'm hitting catches and I'm catching balls back, you know, with a baseball mitt and you're getting out of the way um, or making sure you catch it so you don't get hit in the face. Um, so I've always had a very dynamic coaching experience, which is as you can tell something that I love and and you've seen me in action. It's something that hasn't yet slowed down. So the assistant coaching role, though, is certainly something where I'm expanding, you know, my, my my horizons with regards to coaching because I've never really wanted to get in. I'm not saying now that I'm 52 that I'm slowing down. I'm not yet. I'm, I'm still loving the physical side of, of coaching. I'm grateful that it's still you know very active because when you're in India in May and June, April, May, June, hottest time of the year, it's a good workout. So from that point of view, it's, you know, it's great to now have a different aspect at, at the IPL because it will definitely put me under a bit more pressure, take me out of my comfort zone I've been a fielding coach for 11 seasons at, at an IPL, and this will definitely be nothing like what I've experienced so far. So looking forward to it. Um, it's just a part of that, that growth, that growth part. So always on it.
0: Exactly. And I, I, I can see that now, that next phase where you, you'll probably end up, you know, being a successful head coach because you've got the experience of, of being that assistant fielding coach and not making the bigger decisions. But now you have to make big decisions. You've got to be accountable. And I'm sure you can take, it, take on that that role with uh, with ease I would say um, but what about um, what's what's the best tip you can give from your wisdom of life to a young there'll be some young people listening in there'll be people from different ages they'll want to know what's the one thing they can take away from you
1: well I think from my experience is that is not to have and I mean we spoke about racism and diversity early on as is not to have a preconceived idea about anything because then you've kind of made up your mind before you experience it. And, and I've certainly found, and a lot of it riding around India on a motorbike, is that when you have no expectation and you embrace whatever comes your way that day, or, you know, sure, we have goals and, and aspirations, but sometimes that path, the door that you're banging on, maybe it doesn't open for a reason. So going anywhere with these preconceived ideas that this is the way it has to be done Um, You know, it can be overwhelming and very frustrating. So I think,
0: you know, instead of the seize the day mentality, it's more embrace the day. I like that. I like that. Just take each day as it comes, and that's it. So, well, thank you so much for coming on the second time. The only only person who's been twice on the Monty Meets podcast, and thank you so much for giving up your time. And uh, wish you all the best as assistant, your new assistant role in the IPL. Thank you, Monty. Great to chat. And that was John T. Rhodes, who was talking some great sense about his experience as a coach and also his learning, his learning, his upbringing, absolutely fascinating. And I wish him all the best as a new assistant, more responsibilities and also accountabilities for him. So my next episode, you will see it very soon. The guy who is fast, everything's quick in his life. And this guy doesn't mess around. The rock star of Pakistan cricket.